Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yeah. Yeah. Just one day, one night. That's all I ever want. How do my neck? What's up, people? We're back for the 19th episode of the Believe in K-Pop podcast. I'm your host, Emily Heidel, and you're listening to this podcast on the Believe Podcast Network that has a number of other podcasts for you to listen to, whether it's sports, pop culture, or anything else. You can do that on the Believe uh, Podcast Network on Believe.com. But today, we are talking about BTS. Before I get to talking about today's guests, I am hosting the first in LA BTS Army Con this Sunday, June 23rd. It's from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or Pacific Daylight Time, obviously, because it's in LA. And it will be at the Silver Lake Independent Jewish Community Center in Silver Lake. So it's in the LA proper area. Um, if you want to buy tickets, you can go to btsgalaxy.com to purchase your tickets. They are $15 online and $20 at the door. What you'll be getting if you come, you will be getting a number of different guests, um, whether it's BTS or ARMY fan bases or various YouTubers to talk about their you know experience being ARMY. You'll get sponsored items from a raffle. We have a really cool raffle. There will be BTS uh, or fan artists, BTS fan artists or ARMY fan artists in attendance um, selling their merchandise um, and you will be able to enter a raffle to get um, a couple of the items that they have been so gracious to donate as well as some um, raffle items that uh, a lot of our sponsors have donated like McDonald's like Jersey Mike's, like Alcantara events. There's so many different um, sponsors that we have going on, and we're just in Snack Fever is one of them as well. So um, we also have a cosplay contest going on. We have a, a couple of Skype sessions, one with Murray Stein, who is the author of the Map of the Soul Persona book, the Young's Map of the Persona or Map of the Soul book. Um, he obviously helped to inspire the current era that is happening right now for BTS. So he will be Skyping in. Um, we will have Celeste, X Celeste. She will be Skyping in talking about BTS um, or Bangtan universe uh, theories. We will also have a lot of fanfic writers. They'll be Skyping in. You'll also get a chance to read a couple of their passages live, which will be really cool. If you cannot attend, which I know a lot of people who might be listening to this cannot attend, um, you can watch all of this happening so you don't miss out on anything. On the Twitch streams, there will be three of them powered by USBTS Army, one of our lovely sponsors as well. USBTS Army will be tweeting out these Twitch streams the day of, so you can tune in. There will be three going on simultaneously because there are three parts of our or three areas of our venue of our event. So um, we'll have different things going on. We have one in an army, which is a BTS army fan base um, that's dedicated to promoting different nonprofits globally um, to donate to in the name of ARMY or I, I wouldn't say BTS but in the name of ARMY um, monthly and so they had a May campaign um, for a foundation called or a charity called IRQR which is the International Railroad for Queer Refugees. This event is coming out of our pockets so we are not profiting from it. The Everything that happens, all the money we make will go back to paying what we have paid for for the event and the remainder will go towards IRQR in honor of Pride Month. So that's a lot. Um, we also will have um, dancers there. They will be teaching various dances, Square X1, K2O, um, Follow Up, as well as Aubrey Miller. She is an actor and dancer, um, but she's an actor on the Amazon Prime show Just Add Magic. So she will be guest hosting the cosplay contest. We'll also be having an interview with Luke Waltham, who is very prominent in the Army community, but specifically because of his LGBTQ activism. So um, she will be hosting those two segments. She'll also be teaching Fake Love in the dance studio. 
studio. Um, the other groups will be teaching Anpanman, Save Me, DNA, and Boy with Love. So there's so much going on during the event. We'll have Kogi barbecue. Be, uh, we'll have Kogi barbecue food truck there as well. I know a lot of people love Kogi. So um, just, there's just so much happening um, that you do not want to miss out. Also, last thing, Army Help Center. Um, they are responsible for a lot of um, helping with mental health um, and making it more aware that you can talk to them if necessary within the Army community. Um, Army Help Center will be having a Skype session. It'll be very intimate, but, you know, that's the point. Um, we want to make people, you know, feel welcome and talk about how they love themselves. And then there's Army Magazine. Army Magazine will be talking about each and every era of the BTS um, discography and analyzing it as well. There will also be a trading card session. So if you're trying to trade that Jungle photo card from Love Yourself Tier Version R for a J-Hope, Love Yourself O uh, Tier Oh, um, you can do that because there's going to be a trading card session as well. So, again, we have so many different um, opportunities for you to get involved, um, for you to watch. If you cannot, you can also donate if you would like to as well. But we really are excited about this. We've been planning this for the last six months, uh, BTS Galaxy. So if you want, you can buy your tickets on btsgalaxy.com or you can follow us at btsgalaxyot7 on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, but let me get to today's interview. I wanted to have some BTS Army guests on. Um, I promise it's not going to continue to be like this. I want to spotlight other people and other fandoms, um, but I thought this would just make sense. So right now I have, um, actually, I will have two guests on that um, they were the first K-pop podcast I ever listened to when I was just getting into BTS. Um, they're the first time with BTS podcast, um, and you can follow them at Bangtan Podcast on Twitter or on Instagram. And um, they are Miami Army um, by the names of Yadi and Natty, and they give some amazing insight that um, I don't normally see, at least from my perspective, on Twitter or any social media regarding BTS and regarding Army. And sometimes it's not describe this; it's not an unpopular opinion. It's just different, but it's different in a thoughtful way. So I, I definitely agree with a lot of the things they say. Um, they're going to talk about how they feel like, you know, Miami has been shafted in that, you know, with K-pop in general, but really like BTS could have come anywhere in the Southeast, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I hope to see some of you at BTS army con this weekend. Um, and also please make sure to subscribe to first time with BTS as well. They really put a lot of work into their episodes and I look forward to listening to them whenever they come out with something new. So thank you again for listening and, um, enjoy the interview. All right, what's up, you guys? Um, every episode, as you all know, I always say I'm very excited for the guests, but I'm actually very also excited for this, these particular guests because there's two of them, one, and also they are the first K-pop podcast I ever listened to. I did listen to K-pop cast after them, but uh, first time with BTS, a.k.a. Bangtan Podcast, if you follow them on Twitter or Instagram, um, y'all were the first I ever like listened to when I was trying to figure out about BTS. And I'll be honest, I told you guys this in person. When I saw it, I was like, damn it, somebody has a podcast already about them. <laughs> <laughs> I was so annoyed. But I listened and I quickly fell in love with the, you know, everything you guys do, and we'll get into it. But Yadi and Nadi, thank you so much for joining me uh, for this lovely episode. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yes. Yeah. Well, so I think for people who haven't listened to your podcast, I would like to describe it in the best way I can describe it as is two army in their 20s living in Miami that vocalize their opinions on BTS and army. And sometimes the opinions are unpopular, which is amazing because I agree with a lot of them. And I think that the cool thing about it is that you guys, you you have an episode called Psychoanalysis of ARMY. So you'll talk about ARMY, you'll talk about BTS in America and how people are receiving them. But then you have full-on episodes dedicated to analyzing an era, analyzing Hope World, analyzing, uh, you know, uh, I guess it's supposed to be coming out the Love Yourself tour and, you know, your qualms with Big Hit, I should say. But you guys go so in-depth and do such, like, like your research is unreal like and, and whenever I listen to it I'm always just like Christ and then because you guys are and we just talked about this because you guys are and we just talked about this film major at NYU and then art history major at University of Chicago I feel like you guys are very analytical as well you guys talk about like the cuts in the music videos you you mentioned that blood sweat and tears was like moon baton like a moon, moon yeah baton? the genre 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The instrumentation, you guys talk about just how, like, just a lot of things that you, at least for myself, I've never really thought about. So my first question to you was, like, why did you feel like you needed to make this podcast and have your specific viewpoints out there? I guess it was, like, around the time when we had joined Stan Twitter, because before we were kind of just on Tumblr, hanging out, you know, enjoying BTS. And when we got onto Twitter, we saw there were kind of a lot of, like, there was more discourse yeah more discourse like more opinions floating around and a lot of these things would get like would become viral Mm. and a lot of times we kind of disagreed with them or we felt like people were like spreading opinions and thoughts about bts that were very on the surface and we were like well we have all these thoughts about bts and we love talking about bts with each other Mm -hmm. and we want to like share them right exactly because we would spend literally hours just talking about bts and then there came a point where we were like what if we just made a podcast like, yeah. why don't we just share our ideas with more people and it was a way for us to kind of exercise those thoughts well not yeah. that it's like a demon coming out but <laughs> it was a way for us to put them right, so right. like we feel productive about our fan experience yeah exactly so prior to BTS, I know you guys, or I guess still sort of, you guys are XOLs, correct? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. You like a lot of K-pop. We're, we're in a lot of little fandoms, uh-huh. but uh-huh. EXO was the group that got us both into K-pop. That's interesting. And obviously a lot of ARMY know, but um, XOLs and ARMY normally don't get along and normally it's not <laughs> the same. Right. Well, and, it's, and honestly, after working at a K-pop store, I can tell when... An, and an army walks in, and then there was a day when I think it was like Peckian had, uh, Peckian had a like a fashion show in LA, yes. and it was just all XOLs, and I was like, wow, this is like a stark, like I could tell, I was like, oh, these are XOLs, and then like they um, uh, BTS song came on, and someone literally groaned because they're like turned it <laughs> off, and I was just like, it's not that serious. So from your really- perspective, as an army XOL or you know someone who heavily stands both groups, yes. um, do you think there's an is it do you think the the fandom wars are, you know, a necessity? Like, is there, or do you see there's a, like, an actual legitimate reason behind it? Or is it just complete, complete, like, just competitiveness who's on top? I think we kind of started mentioning this in our psychoanalysis, psychoanalysis of ARMY episode. Mm-hmm. In a sense where within K-pop, there is this, like, natural competitiveness within the music shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're literally voting one group over the other but it does kind of extend itself too much into the fandom experience where it's crazy yeah it gets like <laughs> fanatic and like we, we we have a joke that the way fans feel for their idol groups is like nationalism yeah <laughs> political and tense in the weirdest way but like i don't know we started with exo we still love love exo yeah. a lot um, but we like BTS probably more just because the fandom experience is more like there's more happening within for, for BTS. And that's always been the case. Like, I feel like when we started becoming more fans of BTS and EXO mm-hmm. towards the end of 2015, mm-hmm. it was for that reason that BTS just had more content. Yeah. Like, they're managed completely differently. Yeah. Like, Big Hit and SM are completely different in the way that they produce music and yeah. go about. And promoting I, their groups. Yeah, and I think too with like EXO and BTS specifically, it's I mean it's not like a recent thing. Like it's not ha- been happening since BTS has like gotten big. Like I remember being on Tumblr in 2015 when BTS were like not even that popular in Korea, or maybe they were. I don't know. No, they weren't. Right? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> when BTS weren't as popular as EXO, and like mm. shit would get ugly. And I think it's you know the whole like underdog narrative that fans adopted and it became kind of a complex that fans still kind of carry today fans of bts still kind of carry today so it was like you had the underdogs bts versus like exo who at that time 2015 yeah we're on top (laughs) of the world so i feel like some tensions came from that and like i don't know i just feel like it's all very like i mean you saying that you heard someone in person grown at hearing bts maybe like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like is uh proving that my like ideas are wrong because I was thinking that like this is just something that's online and like it's not real you know it's just kind of like people getting very hyped and like 
wanting to further the narrative they see online. Yeah, and just like getting really caught up in it. But you saying that you saw it happen in person, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> in age two, it's like, I don't know. EXO, I, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm speaking as a fan, like, what are EXO doing? You know, so it's, it's like, true. Yeah. it's like, you, you got to be real. You got to be honest with yourself. Because oh, the BTS yeah. being the, the underdog, it's not the case anymore. <laughs> like, it's not. It's true. You mentioned Big Hit and SM and how they they handle their trainees or how they, you know, manage their groups and how they're different. How would you say they, how would you say it's different if you, like, in the most basic terms, I guess? It stems from the fact that SM, they have a lot more groups mm-hmm. than BTS did at some point. Now they have txt together by tomorrow i don't know how tomorrow to tomorrow by <laughs> now they have txt and so it's a little different but for big hit their main group was bts and i feel like they were in that sense able to prioritize bts's schedules you know the way that they are promoted their you know marketing for them and then with sm there's always that issue i think fans of sm artists all feel this where you feel like there's always going to be one group that's being prioritized over the other, whether it's Red Velvet mm-hmm. or Shiny or now NCT. It's like <laughs> you feel bad because you like all of them, but you know that they're getting more time with, you know, SM. Yeah. And also, <laughs> in the case of EXO, like, there just was not, like, there wasn't content. There was EXO yeah. Next Door. There was, the, like, that one variety show EXO did that, like, I would watch over and over and over <laughs> Because it just wasn't, like, they didn't have Bang Tang Bombs. Like, like BTS's or Big Hit's strategy of, like, pushing out all of this content really did work on, like, getting me, and I think a lot of people, hooked. Yeah. Whereas with, like, EXO at a certain point, it's, like, you're I'm relying on, like, fan site airport photos to know that they're active, you know? It's, like... Right. right. But, I mean, yeah, I think... Well, yeah, There's also, said. like, that really important thing about the innovative use of, like, social media... Yeah, the way BTS are on Twitter is like I don't know of any other group. At least up until BTS did it, there were no other groups doing what they were doing on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. I mean, and you speak about that, and I never thought about it, but like I, I, I mean, obviously EXO doesn't really do anything now, as they're all kind of ciphering in or like cipher, cipher. What's the word? Going into I'll just say going into the military. Um and. Uh, but NCT 127 specifically, really NCT in general, are very much active on like YouTube now. They yeah. do their little daily, you know, NCT instead of whatever it is, NCT videos. They also they tweet a lot, and they res- the one thing that's interesting is they respond to fans, yeah. um, which is I feel like they're taking it to another level. But I feel like it's a product of seeing how BTS worked with their fans and like, oh, okay, we're gonna do it sure. too. I and totally I feel- get that. Yeah. Right, 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 and and I think, as you mentioned, TXT, and you also mentioned Red Velvet. Um, both of them were in Miami this year, um, as well as NCT. Um, and well, no, NCT was in Orlando. No, they were in Miami. They were in Miami. Yeah, yeah. TXT uh, was in Orlando. NCT Orlando. were in Miami. Yes, yes. Okay, so um, one of the things you guys do, and we'll get back to the podcast, but I just want to touch on this before um we get back to the podcast. One of the, you guys, one of the things you guys do is you run um a fan base, a BTS fan base called BTSX Miami, which is kind of dedicated to trying, I mean, the ultimate goal is to get in some way probably BTS to come to Miami and see a reason to come through, you know, engaging the mediums, but also you're trying to just gather ARMY together in Miami just so you guys can have like a little bit of community. Um, How did it feel when, you know, TXT and, or sorry, NCT 127 and Red Velvet came? Like, did you, did you go? Did you notice like a, you know, a little bit of a craze that, like, they were actually there? Yeah, it was very exciting. So, yeah, Natalie and I are half of BTSX Miami, and when we found out that these K-pop groups were coming to Miami, it was so exciting. We were ecstatic. Our friend Sylvia, who is also part of BTSX Miami, she went to Red Velvet, and then I went to NTT127, and that was just, it was incredible because you got to see the the audience like what the audience would be for a k-pop group here and how receptive the the media outlets were mm-hmm. like ncd 127 went they appeared on a spanish language uh, yeah. which <laughs> was mind-blowing i was like oh my gosh this is what bts could be doing like this is it like we are clearly ready we're ready to accept these like korean 
singers into, you know, our world here. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it was a really good feeling. And there are fans, like, it wasn't like these shows didn't sell out or, like, that there weren't, they weren't successful. Like, there are people here, and, and, you know, you see it more and more. Like, nowadays, I can go to the mall, and, like, it's almost guaranteed that I'll see a K-pop fan. Oh, for sure. It's, like, and you see it, too, like, in, like, what people are buying. Like, I think this is everywhere, too. Like, Korean products are just more widely available. Mm -hmm. And it's insane. Like, it's incredible to me, like, how widespread how widespread it's become that it's even reached Miami which like I think Yadi feels the same way to me is like separate from whatever's going on in the rest of the U.S. like Miami feels just very different it's always felt very like on its own not following what New York LA Chicago you know (laughs) yeah like right one of the things that that is interesting to me and not interesting but like and it kind of ties to Miami is that like what BTS did was they I mean, they obviously spent majority of their time in the U.S. They stopped in all these other places. I guess they didn't really do any press in Paris. I can't remember. But they didn't do anything in Brazil at all. But And Brazilian Army were super, you know, hype or whatever. But I think back to the U.S., you know, there's been enough trending top, like, or trends or hashtag, tr- trending hashtags in the U.S. that is dedicated to either BTS X Florida, BTS X Atlanta, BTS X North Carolina, whatever it is. Um, it all have been the southeast has been trying so hard to get like bts to come and notice you know anybody and i feel like you know obviously out of the southeast i feel like it's atlanta that gets the most play out of any k-pop group but um what why do you think why do you think big hit ignores um what's obvious and what you know the southeastern army want because it's trended too many times for them not to be like oh well maybe we should go to atlanta or maybe we should go to miami you know, that's such a good question because we really don't have the answer to it. Because even, I thought I knew the answer and it was that they were hesitating because it's like uncharted territory-ish for them. But then they sent their baby group over mm-hmm. to Miami. And so for me, when I saw that, I was like, what are they trying to see? What are yeah. they trying to gauge? Is, is this like a what's the word, like a, a taste of what's going to happen to this upcoming tour, or is this just a standalone thing, yeah. you know? We, I mean, Yadi and I, and also with BTS X Miami, with Caitlin and Sylvia, our other admins, we've talked about this so much, like, we've just spent time really thinking, like, mm-hmm. why does Big Hit plan their tours the way they do? And we've come to the conclusion that there's, like, not logic involved. In- <laughs> well, <laughs> But that's the, <laughs> that's the quote unquote thing of putting it. But like not obviously like they put on they can put on a tour like it, not in that sense. But in terms of like, because what on our side of it we feel like the benefit of having a more widespread tour is that like you become more obviously more accessible and you become more widespread like more well known yeah more well known like big hit I feel like is missing out on an opportunity to just like increase their fan base by spreading out their tour so that these 14 dates are not like grouped in these three separate cities, but rather Mm -hmm. 14 cities. Like there's no question at this point that BTS will sell out a stadium anywhere. I've I've traveled to shows to see BTS in other cities. Yadi's traveled to shows. There are so many people who have traveled from different cities, different countries, different continents to go see BTS. There's no reason for them to test it out. <laughs> exactly. There's no reason for there to be any kind of hesitation from how we see things. Like, who knows what happens behind the curtain and what their reasoning is, you know. I do feel like, um, I don't know where I've seen this. Or maybe I'm just thinking of, like, fans trying to justify it. Like, trying to minimize the amount of tour stops to, like, keep the members from traveling so much and, like, prioritize their health. But, I don't know. To me, like spreading out tours so that they're farther apart instead of like three tours back to back than traveling yeah. back to back like it's yeah. still prioritizes and also I, I have pushback against that like health concern because I mean why if if that were the reason why put four dates back to back in the same city like that's not looking out for anyone's health yeah <laughs> like, true case for love yourself so I just I don't think it's a matter of like oh the members need rest because they're not resting like look their tours in Japan they hit Japan is a tiny country and they hit like 17 cities yeah (laughs) (laughs) they did they sure did (laughs) it's not an issue of like oh they need 
they need time to like um get better because they've done it before yeah so true anyways who knows we don't have an answer is what we're trying to say so yeah my next question is when is that love yourself tour um review gonna come out we literally we know you're in it we haven't forgotten no 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 no. it's not even because i'm in it i just want to hear i just want to hear like the full length like review (laughs) because just hearing the no logic i was like oh this is gonna be good Well, we did get together earlier this week to flesh out some, um, like, structure for the episode. Yeah. So we're hoping within the, with, in June. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that's in June. I think yeah. that's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Those are so hectic that it's just like, difficult to keep us that release schedule, but we're working on it. Well, <laughs> the other thing, I mean, aside from the fact that you guys, it's, it's, your schedules are so hectic, I feel like your episodes more than a lot of you know podcasts that I listen to have a lot they're very they're very thoughtful um and like I said they're you guys take a lot of um time I can tell and researching what you're you know and you know making sure that your points that you're making make sense or like you know you try to cross-reference to like uh western culture but in terms of when you are making the process or doing the process of like you know figuring out what you want to talk about when you could you know I guess, analyze the entirety of the Wings era, like, um, how, how do you do that? Like, what do you, do you go back and rewatch all of the comeback stages? Do you rewatch all of the music videos and then rewatch, um, you know, or go, and I know there's like a Wings concept book, like, do you go through everything, like the making of the making films? Like, how do you, how do you research for your episodes? So I guess each episode is a little different. So the Wings episode was one of the more research heavy ones, and we were heavily guided by the concept book that was actually really helpful like without that concept book we would have probably been a little bit more scattered um and then it just kind of goes from there (laughs) yeah I mean like our episodes uh with the exception of the ones that like our album reviews like the music based ones they're heavily heavily scripted yeah Um, I would say we approach them like essays like we first start like okay what do we want to argue and then we try to find evidence that supports it so it's kind of like super nerdy and academic, but that's, that's really how we do Because at least for me, my thing is like, this, is, this has always been my rule is that I can't say anything unless I can support it. And then if mm. I support it, then I'm not going to say it or I'm not going to pose it as something that's like uh, an analysis. It's just then an opinion. So Yadi, with your, with your art history background, do you feel like BTS more than maybe EXO, um, you know, do you feel like your major is being put more to work with BTS than it would with EXO or any other K-pop group with all of the, you know, I just think of Blood, Sweat, and Tears or even Fake Love or even some of the 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 end of year award shows. Like there's always something that's being referenced to that's like an artful, like painting or, you know, mythological thing, whatever it is. Um, I would say yes. I would say yes, just because there seems to be a lot of like different, art forms at play with BTS and that really goes back to the fact that Bang PD their CEO studied this like he studied aesthetics which is essentially the study of art and you can tell like he's a (laughs) massive nerd because I feel like the way he approaches like or not just him but the way he and his team approach BTS's and their like output is Mm. entirely like if they're artists like multimedia artists they're not just musicians like the videos are a way for them to express their ideas. The books, they write books. They have like what's their their style, their fashion, the music video sets. Like they're they have these ideas and you see it in so many platforms and so many mediums. And yeah. to me that's why that's why we do it for BTS. We couldn't have made this podcast for any other group. It's true. Mm. It's true. There's so much like thought and detail put into every comeback and it's like every comeback and every even like even like the comeback stages I'm thinking specifically of something like airplane part two like yeah the the idea and the concept and like where they're drawing from is always so clear and like so consistent and we all we're always so blown away because it's just it's such good work that's being done and it's like always so dedicated and that's not to say that uh EXO doesn't have really artistic I actually really like SM's video style like mm-hmm. even for NCT and Red Velvet mm-hmm. I, some, I think their music videos are sometimes most of the time kind of better than They're, BTS's I agree with the quality really yeah but 
they're like I like them aesthetically. I think they're like nicer aesthetically, but for BTS, it, there's more meaning mm. to them. They, they have more messages in yeah. a way that I don't think SM's music or music videos have. Yeah, agreed. You know what? Yeah, I can I I agree with that. That yeah, BTS's music or music videos have more meaning. But when I think of like when I think of every SM video, like it's it's like even with um uh NCT's recent like We Are Superhuman, like that was just I don't know if you guys saw that, but that was like an unreal video. And I, even just like the simple like ice cream cake by Red Velvet, like or ice, whatever it's called, ice cream whatever. Um, I forget the name of the song, but or even like Call Me Baby by EXO, like that's I don't know for some reason I think of like I I I agree with you. Yeah, the videos are much or tempo even. I'm just, I'm thinking of all the different ones now. Um, but yeah, they, they definitely are a little bit more aesthetically. I guess they're pleasing. a lot cleaner. Like SM has a cleaner. very there you go. specific yeah. aesthetic that they stick to, and it's like very satisfying. Whereas BTS, like, and this is something we appreciate. Um of them we appreciate about them about them is that like they try a lot of different things with each comeback like each comeback is a new opportunity for them to explore a different genre of music a different style a different like story even so it's like they take more risks i think so you mentioned bang pd um how he i mean obviously he's like this whole mastermind of really everything that's going on um and creator of it but one person that you guys have spoken about a lot in the podcast, especially with the music videos, is uh, Lumpens, director Lumpens. Yeah. How? What are your thoughts on him, like as a director, um, and you know the impact that he has? Because I can't, like, I I'm not like an art history major or like a film major, so I don't quite know like the difference, or the, I wouldn't be paying attention to it. So, like, what are y'all's thoughts on on him as a director? I feel well, like you guys like him a lot. With we him, do. It's interesting because he's been with BTS for so long. Like, I think the first music video he did, I Need You. I think it's I Need You. I think so. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's when he, like, the most beautiful moment in life, part one, is when he joined. And it's okay. cool because that's when, like, BTS's whole, like, like, the big, most beautiful moment in life. Yeah. Like, there's a huge change. There, it was yeah. a huge yeah. Their image, yeah. their concepts. And it's like, you can tell Bank PD was like, okay, well, I need to hire, like, an actual like production company and actual team to do this because like this isn't just like one music video it's a story we're creating mm-hmm. um so I think that's really interesting like I really appreciate Lupin's I guess um as a storyteller like I really the run music video and the I need you music videos like prologue. and the prologue like those are some of the best things I think to come out of BTS um and it's like it's hard to like visually portray this story, like the HYYH narrative, I think. And it's been going on forever. And like Lumpen has managed, you know, to like work with Big Hit and like telling it. Like I'm thinking of like the visual components of fake love. Mm. Like these moments, like they're all connected to HYYH while also being its own separate concept. It's like, it's hard to juggle. Um, and like also like, like Big Hit it's not like Lumpens has one set look or style. Like he's, he's you know, changing uh, the look of each music video with each comeback and like- He's adapting. Yeah, he's versatile. So I really appreciate that. I've never thought about him like- Whether we like him or not. No, I, I like, obviously we like his yeah. work, but I've always like connected Lumpens to like big hit. You know, I've never thought like, okay. oh, Lumpens, this man as a director, how do I feel about him? And, like, it just made me really curious. Like, now I want to know, like, how much, like, how, does he have? or how hands-on he is with BTS in terms of the actual acting. Because, you know, a director, obviously, like, their vision is what is being, like, is what's driving a project. So, like, a director's main role is to work with actors. And I feel like mm. maybe not so much in music videos, but, like, in BTS's music videos, there's like a lot of story in it, and there is a lot of acting on their part. So I'm really curious to know like how how that collaboration works. Yeah. How much of a hand Lumpen has in like directing BTS as actors in like these HYYH narratives. Um, so yeah, it's cool. It's also cool because I know their cinematographers also remain the same. I don't know his name, but his Instagram is like GDW or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he's he's done this. The he's been a DP for like literally all of BTS's stuff, including um, like Namjoon's first mixtape. Uh, so I think he works with Lumpens, but like 
they could they got their own little team and i really appreciate them is it gd oh it's gdw underscore official yes yeah. yes he like oh. he's been posting like all of bts's music videos he's like been updating his resume or something <laughs> like so yeah that's so ah, cool. okay i didn't even know that i so i thought like i thought lumpens because i didn't even think about it like in terms of like how a director relates to a movie but like i thought he was just like oh he's like the director like in the term sense of like you would be a director of the company so like you're over like everything in a music video but i didn't think about it as like oh he's working with them as actors i, I could be wrong you know i i feel like lumpens is still kind of a mystery to me honestly like i i feel like i would love to like get an interview with him you know like to come out of korea just to like get a better understanding of it because i'm also coming from it from like knowing how short films work as versus like music videos per se like in like the industry so it could be different but like how, how organized how, yeah how it's organized like maybe lumpens is just the creative director but they have like other freelance directors that they hire i don't know but like how i'm seeing it in my head is that lumpens is like the head of his company but also like the director the creative director yeah the director for these music videos okay so with with that like and you guys like it's I feel like there's no other podcast or at least medium that I'm looking at that's like going so in depth with, you know, everything really BTS, but like really the artful parts of it um, more than just, and I think you mentioned it in your latest um, episode where I think some fans don't focus on like the, the, the artful part of it. It's like they focus on like how like Jimin interacted with Jungle because you guys did an episode about shipping, you know, but like, um, who who's your target audience for for your podcast? Is it like is it really just an um, an opportunity for you guys to you know express your viewpoints, or is it like is it just general army, or is it because I remember the first few episodes you were like this is for new army to who right. might not know a lot about BTS. Like what who is your audience? Who are you trying to get a you know a, the attention of? That's a really big good question. question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm true. I'm, okay. Answer that well. Let's see who our audience. And then you have Natalie being like, "I'm PD." <laughs> I mean, I think I've I've started reevaluating who we make this podcast for because you know it's called First Time with BTS, but I think a lot of our listeners, this is not the first time with BTS. They've yeah. been here for at least a year, and I think we really want to reach anybody who has ever had a single thought about BTS. <laughs> like, just, okay. if you've heard the name BTS, we would love for people to find their way to this podcast because we do offer, like, that space of, like, critical inquiry or, <laughs> like, thinking critically about yeah. these things in a way that you can't really find in an article or you can't really find if you go on social media, like, you would have to either read a book that doesn't exist or listen to yeah episodes. Or, I mean, I feel like we approach each episode, like, we try to approach it with the intent of, like, reaching someone who is not even a fan of BTS. Like, someone like that could listen to it and still kind of, like, fall mm -hmm. along. Like, we do try to keep our introductions pretty, like, broad for an, uh, for an episode, like... For example, our shipping episode that we released, we, like, define what shipping is for people. Yeah. You know, yeah. we try to keep it, like, oh, if it is your first time on BTS, like, okay, you can, yeah. like, tune in at any episode and you can enjoy it. But we also, we try to make it that and also, like, something a fan who maybe is feeling the frustrations we felt when we made the podcast could, like, jump in and be, like, finally, you know, someone's talking about BTS in a way I've been thinking about them, but, like, haven't seen on my timeline. You know, and that's one of the things that's interesting. You mentioned um, how you guys, like, you guys will plainly state things that, like, to be honest, like, if, if I'm like, oh, like, you might not need to mention the definition of ship, but then when I hear you do it, I'm like, you know, like, I feel like I needed to hear that explicit <laughs> definition to be able to, like, maybe look at it different. Like, that's what, I feel like your podcast makes me look at things differently than um, I normally do. Because, like, you know what the meaning of ship is, but then when you hear the explicit definition and then you guys go into, like, each part of the definition and how it relates to BTS, I'm like, ah, okay, interesting. I never thought about it that way. I think it goes back to what Yadi said earlier, too, about how we treat, yeah, how we treat our scripts like essays and how we, you know, we can't be critical for not mm -hmm. getting context. Right. Exactly. It's a way of, like, uh, putting out definitions for things so that once we start using these words, they mean the same thing for both us and listeners. Yeah. How much are you all editing out? 
that. Um, honestly, a big bulk of me editing, this is going to be kind of gross, it's just me editing, like, our mouth noises. <laughs> like, in oh. it up. Um, like, for, for the scripted episodes, I honestly, like, don't take out a lot. Sometimes we try, we try to do it where, like, we set up a script, but we have these breaks where we kind of just, like, talk about whatever's on our mind at the moment or, like, our general thoughts on something. Um, so that's where the editing takes place because sometimes it's, like, also we're just trying to work out an idea in the moment. And we'll be like, oh, like, what do you think about this? And then, like, I edit that out. For the music episodes, I edit out much more because it's just they're unscripted. Those are completely, I mean, like, we have yeah. our notes but they're more unscripted than not. So a lot of it is us like working through an idea or us like cracking ourselves up. So I just edit out us making stupid jokes and like laugh, <laughs> you know, or Rambling. just like, yeah. Like, or sometimes when we say things that are wrong. Yeah. Wrong, oh. things, wrong names. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're not perfect. At all. <laughs> like we'll, we'll get things wrong so many times where like I'll be editing and I'm like, oh my God, like just one day is not too cool for school. Like I have to like stuff like that, you know, where we have to like, yeah ourselves right right well and i think speaking of just one day that was on your like top seven um favorite bts songs how did y'all narrow that list down to oh seven and why did you narrow it down to seven just because it's seven members yes well seven yeah for seven members um we each individually started our own document of like uh our favorite songs without any number like just how many we can write a lot about and my list was like 25 30 songs yeah so it was mm-hmm. that and then we saw which where there was overlap and then <laughs> it was so we took it so seriously for no reason we were like no, <laughs> no, reason. no, no we were like we're gonna have to cut her off we we're like no we don't want to this is such a good song like, yeah. I that for so many other songs that i was like i really want it to talk hard. so much about like boys with fun for instance yeah <laughs> that was yeah. her dog but has a very special place in my heart um, there's also War of Hormone was originally on the list. Yeah. And then we took it out and replaced it with something else. I don't remember. Oh, no more dream. Yeah. We were like, Oh, and go, go. Yeah. There was, yeah. I mean, we also like, we mentioned it in the episode, but like giving ourselves kind of like rules, like right. it had to be all the members, no collaborations, only Korean songs. Like that helped us a lot. Cause I feel like a lot of our favorite songs are solo songs and like outros. So it was, I mean, difficult it was difficult but we also like and we go into it in the episode but we were kind of like okay we like this song more than this song but like which one is more important yeah and like to bts's career and that's how we kind of we kind of made it like okay these songs musically because we didn't play open part two in that did we no we exactly no it's, no that is like for me without question one of their best songs yeah but it came at a point where like the other songs did what it did yeah. So we didn't feel the need to put it in the list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like that. Where like, it's like say came first. Exactly. So we, we wanted to, you know, give that space to Babsi. Yeah. I noticed that all the songs that you put um, have either, like, have a real, like, Just One Day, like, a, anybody can listen to it, be like, oh, this sounds good. But, like, No More Dreams, obviously the debut song. But then, like, Spinebreaker doesn't have, or Bepse, sorry. Or was it Bepsay? Yeah, Bepsay doesn't have like a music video with it, but it does have a very iconic dance, but also yes. iconic lyrics. So I feel like, yeah, like you were saying, like there was a like run, obviously, like all these different, uh, you know, songs have a significant meaning to BTS rather than just like, oh, like Save Me, it's just a great dance beat, but like where did it fall or like the importance of it, I guess, you, if you, if you will, or, like Danger, you know? Um, but I guess the one thing I also noticed is that nothing from map of the soul was in (laughs) oh yes we have we have a reason for this and it's that the episode was made before (laughs) (laughs) or because yeah that's the reason we would have definitely probably put boy with love on there but it's a collaboration so we wouldn't have oh we would have talked about it We would, because we do think we genuinely think like "Boy with Love" is one of their best. Like it's incredible. It's a perfect song. Yeah, it's literally perfect. <laughs> so it would have definitely like we would have discussed it, but we recorded this like I think March. Yeah. Or like yeah. right before the comeback was announced. So we were like, oh, whatever, we'll still release it. <laughs> but I still uh, have okay. Yeah, have changed. I agree. I thought I was gonna get some more tea. I was just gonna be like, oh, did you? How did oh, you feel what? about? <laughs> I anticipate we will be speaking on this mini album. 
we do have thoughts and they're not all positive. So like there is, there is tea. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, you know, speaking of, I just want to get your predictions and kind of, you know, since you guys are really good at, I don't know, analyzing what Big Hit does, uh, what do you think, when do you think the next album will come out? And uh, do you think that will be the nomination that they'll input for the Grammys? Because oh, wow. I, I would assume, because it's many album, full album, repackage. And it's like, that, that's what's yeah. there. Like, when do you think that'll be? And, you know, what do you think that process will be like? I can imagine fall, winter. Yeah, I think yeah. that it's pretty normal for them to, like, do things, like, two albums a year, two releases a year. I'm trying to think, like, Love Yourself Heard came out September 2017, Tear came out May 2018, Answer came out August. So I feel like, I yeah, There's I think, a few months. like, October. Right. And weren't there, there was a lot of, uh, uh, what's the word, talk on Twitter regarding fall tour dates in the United States. Oh. But it's so. like it's like whispers. <laughs> Your reaction, <laughs> you drunk. <laughs> There's like whispers in the wind. Like I've seen, you know, it's like people being like, "Oh, my friends of my friends of my friend friends friend yeah. said that their Uber drivers said that BTS are coming." Yeah. There's like eight different <laughs> accounts like that throughout yeah. America. Yeah. Which is, I think, telling. Like the fact that these instances happened in different cities all over the country, and they're all pointing to the fall. Yeah, it could be a lie though. Who knows? Yeah, but um. But either way, I ha- I was thinking about fall comeback. Yeah, fall comeback and then like another tour. Oh, like what? I don't get it. Like, <laughs> like another tour? Are you kidding? <laughs> I know. I mean, like in like, I talk about this with Yadi a lot. Like in an ideal world for me, BTS would release another album like next February. Like they would like do nothing, <laughs> and like do what Americans and like Western artists do. And like disappear, make their, yeah. album, you know, just for the sake of like, you know, because it gets overwhelming sometimes. Like you go on Twitter, and then every day there's like eight new things. Like yeah, it's like almost an oversaturation. So sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, like I just wish y'all would like rest, bounce for a minute, <laughs> and then like give me a break too. But yeah, I feel like fall. And as for the Grammy nomination, you know, I kind of stopped thinking about it. I feel like once we found out that they were added to the um, recording academy, recording academy yeah. I was like, that's even better than being nominated for a Grammy. So I, I, I saw, well, I also feel so, I have a lot of feelings regarding Map of the Soul persona mm-hmm. where I didn't even think about a Grammy. Oh, okay. It seems like the, you know, the right, the like, right, trajectory right like mm-hmm. you can't yourself tear got this nomination you just need the music exactly but i mean i don't know if we want to go into it now but map of the soul we yadi and i just feel like map of the soul got praise that it didn't deserve mm. and i i worry that like this grammy nomination would not come from a place of like musical integrity but like popularity um, not the Grammys thing, but like a kind of it. So it you know, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's where my wariness comes into play. Where I'm like, oh, I would love a Grammy. I would love for BTS to win a Grammy, but like, I would want to be sure that the album deserves it. And you know, I feel like that that album. I mean, it was obviously made. I don't know when the other songs were made, but I feel like a a lot of they were on tour. Like when yeah. this album, like between the last album and this one, so like. They've been on tour the entire time. So, like, I feel like if they could just take a second, you know, make your album, spin a month, because you can, I guess, make a whole album in that amount of time, and right. then, you know, <laughs> put out something of quality. I don't know. And I feel like Shadow will be something that's just, I don't like the bubblegum. I'm going to be honest. I, I probably feel the same way. I, I've, it's grown on me, um, uh, Persona, but really, it's like, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, no, like, no. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what direction the music takes for this, like, next release. I just hope that, like, it warrants it's gonna break records and i hope that it warrants it because I, I felt like map of the soul broke all the records and it didn't it just doesn't yeah like, um i feel i appreciate the little bit of tea you gave us um for the love yourself <laughs> tour and and for map of the soul persona i feel i like i said like i feel like i i have similar thought you know what would be really cool if they drop this album and then they're like oh we're gonna get to do like a tour and they go to places, they go to Atlanta, Miami, oh, they go to um, New Orleans, and they go, they don't even touch LA. Like, I would be, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to spend my money. Y'all can go over there. <laughs> Have fun. You know how, oh that, I mean, that would be, like, 
really funny. It would be incredible. <laughs> and like, honestly, like, like I said earlier, like, I don't think, I don't think Big Hit functions on like logic I can predict. So like, they could do it. <laughs> That's why you're selling, you're saying this and I'm like, it could happen. <laughs> you know what? Outland. They've been breaking barriers. Exactly. It could happen. And I feel like for the army that are listening, they're like, wow, these girls, are they really even, these are like XOL trying to sabotage like everything that, <laughs> that is good you know, and great. Or undercover. There are times, honestly, where like Yadi and I will be critical and I'm like, hmm, like I wonder if people, this will be the one that well, people will stop following actually, us. Actually, we have gotten messages in the past of people um, not understanding our tone. I yeah. know Natalie remembers. I do. Um, yeah and so that was like an example of when we had to be like no like we we spend hours of our day making this episode not because we hate each other yeah (laughs) it comes from love (laughs) wait can you elaborate on this what messages have you like what kind of it was early on it was early on and I think it was somebody who wasn't a native English speaker so I think it was actually just like us joking and we were so, like making fun of Namjoon, I think is what <laughs> we were just making fun of them. You were just like joking about BTS and making fun of them. And the person DM'd us being like, you shouldn't do that. And we were like, no, like, and then we had to be like, no, like the, we were like just joking. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like they, they, they like, thought we were being understand. serious. They thought we were being serious. And we're like, no, we we're just joking. I feel like there happened. There was like one other instance that I can't really remember of someone criticizing us for, I don't know. There's something we said. Oh. I think at one point we were like, oh, uh, honestly, I, mean, I can't remember, but it was we said something, and someone was like, "Oh, actually, that's not the case." But like, what we said was the case. So I don't know. It was like, <laughs> I don't so it was like a fact check that was actually a yeah. Fact. I don't know. I don't know. But we do like, or at least I do. Sometimes I'm like, "Oh, I wonder if this is this is the thought that will make people angry." <laughs> oh, right, but, right. Like, I, I seriously feel like, you know, outside the like, or like behind the like superficiality of like Stan Twitter. There are a lot of people who are discontent with a lot of things that we are discontent with. Like, I feel right. like more often than not, we'll say something we're upset about and people will be like, oh my gosh, like, I completely agree. So. You know what? You're right. Yeah. It's like, it's just Twitter. I also, I really don't think our, uh, our ideas or thoughts are unpopular. Um, I just think that they're not, you don't see them. Yeah. But I think. Oh, that's, that's true. I rarely ever like write or say something and think oh I don't think anyone agrees with it yeah like mm-hmm. people are either just not thinking about it or they are thinking about it and they're not saying it yeah I don't know maybe I mean, yeah. our our weird opinions come up for music but everything else is like everyone relates to it yeah it's the music ones that get me a little a little and sometimes because I feel like and this just goes back like me and Yadi like amongst ourselves talk endlessly about like the twitter experience it just goes back the twitter experience like dwindling down being a fan to bts to something very fleeting and like very like i don't even know like it's kind of like oh you have these thoughts about a song but everyone is talking about one part of another song so you can't even like it's like you can't share oh, your thoughts, I you know? See. Yeah, because it's a very, like, short cycle of ideas. Yeah, so it's, just, it's like, hard for people to, like, get ideas across because you see the same viral video mm-hmm. times a day, yes. you know? Like, how many times have I seen people praise home? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, which is a great song. It's a great, it's a great song, but it, it's, like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I'm getting my point across. I just feel like you don't, you don't see critiques of their music because all you see is just, like, intense praise. Oh, so yeah. sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, maybe people won't like this because what they're experiencing in their like fandom, like their part of Twitter or whatever, like their side of things is only praise. So hearing our criticisms might be like, oh, jarring. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see that. So I don't know, but that's how, kind of where I am. Yeah. And, and I mean, when you do voice your criticism, like you're opening like yourselves up, obviously to to people attacking you, canceling you, whatever it is, because it does seem like when you do get on Twitter and you like, it seems like a not a cult following, but it seems like a, like a group thing. Like everyone, when you see, like there's, there was something where actually EXO and BTS were up against each other for like a Soompi fan award. And I think EXO won, but someone made a tweet and was like, well, you guys might be popular in K-pop world, but over here in the U S like have them try to come perform on this show and this show and then win this award and then go to the Grammys. Like you don't, you're irrelevant. You can win your award, have fun. And it had like, 
tens of thousands of likes. And I was like, what? and then it was like liked by a couple of people that I like look, not look up to, but like like. And I was just like, yeah. why is this like, is this what everyone thinks? Like, yeah. does it have to be super mean? Like, good lord. Very aggressive and uh, like proud mentality where I just don't know how that like manifests in the real world. Like, I don't think it's that. I know. I would deep. love to meet people who make these tweets in person. You know what's interesting? Mm. I have from college who I recently found out she likes k-pop and we were like going back and forth with all the groups that she likes and then when I brought up BTS she was like oh you know they probably have good music but I can't get into it because the fan the fans are so intense and I didn't even have a rebuttal I was like you're right <laughs> <laughs> like you're right but listen to just one day I literally <laughs> you're like you're right, but stand. And I slid her the Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Let the music speak, which is another issue. I feel like that goes back to like for BTS fans, the music never really. I mean, that's not true. It's just it's not a big part of the fandom experience. Like, yeah. uh, comeback happens. The music is only part of it. It's yeah. like a small factor factor of like what's happening during a comeback. It's crazy. I could I could talk forever about. Mm, yeah, I feel like the hypocrisy I feel in myself. I'm like about to throw this army con, and I'm shit talking <laughs> army in a way. I'm just like, oh, shit. It's, okay, it's like because like we love army. Like we're, army, we're hosting we army. We're, we're hosting fan meets. I mean, is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're hosting fan meets for army in Miami because like we love being around them and doing activities or whatever. Well, I will say I feel like the the weirdness online stems from the platform. It's not even. Uh, like army themselves and twitter mm. just very quick it's very quick so tweets there's a character limit like you have to get your point across mm-hmm. quick and it's then like, it's like reactionary so the yeah. tweets have to be reactionary you want to get viral you know there's like a yeah. weird pressure to like be trendy and edgy and so you're right you're very right and i definitely think it is twitter related whenever i go on reddit and i'm on the bts sub like people will have long discussions they're not That's as incredible quick to... Reddit's great. Too. like tumblr we were on tumblr first and tumblr was I mean, it had its problems, obviously, but it was a really great platform to have longer discussions and, like, also just, like, to have a very private experience with BTS and, like, enjoy the fandom, like, on your own instead of feeling like... I mean, it also had to do with BTS having a smaller fandom, but, like... It was less performative. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. It was less performative. Mm. Yeah. And, like, more personal as opposed to Twitter where it's kind of, like, if you're not joining the mob mentality, you're not making friends online. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's like difficult to find people who have the same opinions as you. Right, right. That's true, and I feel like that also. At least for myself, I feel like the the reason I can't I normally don't get on Twitter anymore, and I've I've mm-hmm. muted too many people to count. Yeah. And I feel like part of the reason, like I feel like I also I feel like if you go in full force, like very strong, and then you get like suddenly like some something else that makes sense comes in and like kind of contradicts what you've been seeing, then you're like, hold on, wait. I maybe I was just like too intoxicated with whatever was going on and now I'm like seeing like oh wait there's a lot more at you know that's happening and I'll, anyway I can talk about it forever too but um I want to thank you guys and I wanted to say you know you guys mentioned it um again in the last episode um where you talked about music and you feel like the, you said like you feel the fans like you and you just said it like you feel like the fans like the music is only part of it the fans worry about a lot of other stuff as well um but big hit for the most part or really focuses on the music and the content and everything and i feel like your con your podcast is you know very much based towards like the content like you guys are very um much like big hit in that like you're thorough with what you guys do and i thoroughly enjoy it i hope everyone else that listens to it hopefully from this podcast if you listen to it you should um you should go follow them on uh twitter and instagram at bangtan podcast and subscribe to them it's called first time with bts because uh like i said you're going to get some very great content even if you might not agree with it um it gives you a whole new perspective so i thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast thank you and uh let us know when the other ones come out um because i like i said i want to hear the tea and we want to know about um the fan meets as well if you guys also want to and you're living in miami you can go follow them at btsx miami to figure out about all the cool things that they will be doing like the scavenger hunt and just various meets they will have and eventually when bts comes to miami they'll be the main ones like making sure everyone's cool i guess you know however you want to do that but yeah thank you guys (laughs) 
<laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, and you guys can follow me at E-M-I-H-A-Y-D-E-L and you could submit any fans that you want to be on the podcast or any topics that you think we should listen to. But until then, we will see you guys next week. Okay. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.